the Counter Press Podcast. I'm your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me tonight is Josh Cacho to recap the 3-1 win over SKC. Josh, how are you feeling? I mean, as always, it's always great to you know finish the weekend with another LAFC win, right? And yeah. um, as with each passing week that we find ourselves in this situation, I mean, I can't lie. I find myself getting more and more excited about the way that this team is playing um, because, again, I think they are... While there, I think there's still definitely some some work to be done. Um, you know, all of the things we've been highly critical of over the last what, you know, one to two years, or even going back into mm-hmm. that first that you know the, that 2019 season. Um, you know, even when you put that all together, we're still in a situation where, like, you know, like those criticisms that we've had that that seemingly felt, you know, like we were being redundant at times um are were are finally being addressed right like the you know like the, yeah. the not finishing games some of the you know the just the little lack of pragmatism um you know some again just just some of the tactical things that didn't quite you know that didn't quite make sense to us now you see a little bit of an adjustment you see a little bit of you know you see some gamesmanship in terms of how they go about it you know again that you got to love what the second half looks like in every single game because this team has finished, you know, in games, it's taken a whole half to get going. Yeah. But man, that last 45 minutes is always strong. Generally, I would say it takes about that first 30 for this team to kind of get their feet wet and those things, kind of things and kind of settle into their game plan. But, you know, whether about the last 45 minutes to an hour that, you know, you generally see the, the opponent on their back heels, um, you know, just trying to withstand, you know, withstand the the tide. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I I woke up this morning uh, early, of course, because, you know, kids got to do the Easter egg hunt. Um, And I had, I woke up from a dream in which LAFC won three to one. And I thought, man, I should tweet something out about this. (laughs) And then I thought, no, I can't, I can't like wake up on Easter at like six thirty, and immediately jump on Twitter. Like that's that's severely unhealthy. And then I didn't think about it again. And then as the game starts going along, I'm thinking I I may have got this right all along. And so now it's like hindsight. I, sh- I definitely should have just you know gone with it and and tweeted out tweeted out because I would have looked like a genius, I suppose. Um, but like you said, it, it great great result and really really encouraging as well. These it's we i you and i have both been cautiously optimistic about everything i think as rightly so uh but if you look at what's happened so far this season uh you win or you win five games and you lose one just one so far against carson away in carson and which is uh kind of par for course <laughs> like yeah. those games are always crazy you can't always you can't always rely they're not like reliable data points right and then you have one draw, just one draw against Portland in what is a weird match. You give up a weird goal early, and then Portland does what they do. Uh, well, and, and in all the other and, games, you've looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and to be fair, I think when you look at the manner in which we've given up the goals we have, right, it's generally yeah. the, 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 one, the only one truly stands out to me in terms of one that like, okay, that one, you know, it wasn't a flu- like whether it was a fluky mistake or a um, 
you know, like I said, something along the lines of what? Uh, Which one is this that you're talking about? It's the Chicharito goal, right? Like that's just an impressive run from Chicharito. Yeah, good move. Yeah, it's right. Like because classic Chicharito, right? Absolutely, yeah. right. He 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 makes that inside out run, puts fall, you know, in a bad position where he they he can't track him properly, you know, and then get in a, in a, and he's going to get on the end if you if you give him the opportunity, he's going to finish those chances. Yeah, and so, but other than that, can we really say there's there has there's been a goal where where it's truly been us, you know, our defense being broken down. Um, I mean, maybe the grandest year goal second, to a certain. I think, I think the Joao Matinho goal is probably the one for me. To the the one that kind of floats over to the back post. So he, I mean, he is wide open. Like it is, it's, uh, it's. So I went back and I. I, I looked at all the goals and like where they were coming from, because I wanted to see if the narrative, our narrative, I should say, like, I think you and I are the only ones talking about it, but the idea that Hollingshead is not really a right back, even though he's right footed. And I know that I've long been on record saying I want left footed left backs, but shock to us. And to remind everyone, this is something we had no idea about until it was clarified to us about four days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were chatting with Vince and he had mentioned it to us. And it's one of those things like it doesn't stand out that he can't use his left foot at all. Like he's clearly just a very two footed player, similar to Kellen Acosta. Um, so anyway, he's, it's not about, it's not about the feet. It's about the positioning. And what I found was that every game where we've conceded goals, except for, which game did did Moon play in? I can't remember which one it was now. I think it was game. It was the one right after Portland, because that was was Portland that? was the one that um, that Escobar, Escobar went, went down, down and Hollingshead came in at right back. Yeah. Essentially, there's only one goal where Hollingshead hasn't been playing at right back, and again, that's not to put it all on him. It's just to say that that look I don't think is the right one. Now today it works fine. Uh, and he has nothing to do with the goal. In uh, a lot of these goals, he doesn't have anything to do with. But I do think positioning, like how that unit plays together with him at right back, is not as good as it will be once we can put him over at left back and have a strong right back candidate there. It was uh, the Miami game where... Yeah. Uh, Miami? Didn't we win yeah. 2-0? Mm-hmm. That's the one where Moon started, I mean. Okay. That's so the yeah, only which... time that you didn't really see that side get exposed in that same way because first of all, Miami was terrible. Which, that, which game match. am I thinking about? Where we there's got a goal that, again. There's a goal that wasn't a clean sheet. We gave up one goal. Vancouver. Right, that game. Uh, Vancouver. Yes. And I think it was Kellen Acosta that started it right back that day. Yes. Okay. So only the one. Anyway, mm-hmm. this isn't to put it on all in Hollingshead because I think he's been great, and today he had a great match at right back, especially uh, in possession and in the press. He's always available um, to add like a second layer of pressure, and he's also really fast. I don't know that I realized how fast he was, but his closing speed is really impressive and actually jumps off the screen. I, I don't know if he does that for you or not, but 
Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's one of those things where you don't because I think he plays it. He tends to play it pretty smart. That you don't often get to see him open it up, but because they kept trying to play in um, Kyrie Shelton over the top there, I think this was the match that you kind of saw him have to get on his horse a little bit more than you than normally because again you see him chasing right. down that side trying to cut out, um, trying to cut out the. And again, you, you just get to see his speed a little bit more than I think we normally have because, again, I think we haven't seen that so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, so all that being said, they looked really good today. Again, 3-1 win. You get a goal from Chicho, who manages to get uh, get the goal after hitting the post. I mean, an incredible free kick. He had to have been about 30, 35 out and just rattles the post. Uh, Palacios is the one that floats a high, a high cross in for fall and fall heads it down to him and Chicho buries it. Uh, an absolute banger from Ismail to jury Shradi. I think we need to just go with Izzy. It seems like everybody calls him Izzy. Uh, are, are you good with shortening his name? Yeah, no, <laughs> you're on the counter press. It's a lot, it's a lot easier than trying uh, to uh, make sure we don't butcher it. Yeah, and so Palacios with another assist here. Good ball over the top. And the way that Izzy lets it run over his shoulder and then onto his left foot, like incredible patience, and then taking it on the half volley as Tim Millie is out. Uh, an incredible goal right in front of the 32-52. Just brilliant finish. Uh, looks a lot like a goal that was once scored against us um, in similar fashion. Like same kind of trajectory and dip on the ball. Uh, this time, a better result for us. Absolutely. I mean, it was probably what twenty, about ten, fifteen yards closer than that one. Yeah, definitely. It's it's right outside the box that he takes yeah. it. So yeah, you're. And I think Zlatan was. He had Zlatan was probably about forty out. He felt like he was like just a few steps over the midfield line. <laughs> It felt like you actually shot that from Los Angeles. In that oh course. yeah, no, yeah. for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it's 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 comparatively to when we would be bringing on, you know, uh, Musovsky, who, who made an appearance today. Um, but uh, either yeah. a Danny Musovsky or you know whoever it may have been, or just trying to kind of piecemeal someone together to play on the front line to have a guy that's of that talent level. Right, that again, I think he's been a bit mercurial in in Major League Soccer. Right, I think he he's shown flashes like today, where you're like, "Jeez, yeah. like that is a, you know, why isn't he playing more?" Um, right. You know, and again, I think those same moments happened in um, in New York, where you would you know, like you kind of he has those flashes, but it was never quite consistent. And you, I, you have to wonder now, and hopefully, right, if he can continue down this road in, in in terms of the consistency now become maybe that super sub right that's just going to come in and and you can count on to you know the finish off games or to put things away or you know um in in this in this fashion because again he's he just does bring another level of attack that we haven't had in the past once you get past that front three yeah 100 uh, percent. and he uh you know last week was he kind of had to come on? Well, he didn't kind of. He did have to come on early to replace Brian Rodriguez, and you know he wasn't. He didn't do that much to speak of. Uh, but yeah, very effective today. Uh, amazing goal, goal of the week for sure. 
probably going to be in the running for goal of the year, I would have to imagine. Um, just an incredible, incredible finish. And then Sifu. Sifu gets back on the score sheet and doing things that we saw from him about this time last year, maybe a little later than... It seems like his hot streak was kind of like June of last year. But he picks up a ball and dribbles all the way through and nobody ever puts it a challenge. So he just, you know, cool finish across the across the face of goal. Slots it into the corner on the ground. Great finish. And uh, that's it. 3-1. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of seafood, I mean, we've, been, we've been hard on him for the past week or two, um, but it's definitely things that you would you hope that he can continue to be more consistent with in terms of just finding those opportunities, finding that space. I feel like a lot of times, again, I don't know if it's just a matter of it's just a lack of patience or it's a matter of you know just needing him needing to see it more in those in those particular situations, um, driving the ball forward, but. Again, it's it's felt he and Blessing have felt a bit redundant at times, but I felt like this time they they very much complemented what you were getting on the other side of the pitch from Acosta very well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and again, in, in how they were able to build things up, how they were able to kind of set up, you just see the the spaces trying to open up as well. And I will say, Carlos Vela's movement in this game does a lot to open to open up a lot of the space that they're currently seeing now. Yeah, I mean, he was he's all over the place and I I really liked this approach. It was pretty clear from the from the get-go that it was not a 4-3-3 in the traditional sense where uh you have your wingers pushed high and and wide to try and pin the back line, like the entire back line. Uh they much more of a four five one four one four one whatever you want to call it. It's all semantics, really. But both Apoku and Vela use deeper starting positions to come back and get on the ball. Sometimes playing in the midfield, and I feel like Carlos Vela coming back to to overload the midfield really does cause a lot of problems because again, in a midfield where you have Ilié and Acosta, adding another another player who's really good on the ball and and has great touch on the ball and all his passes are perfect like that's that's kind of a cheat code to be able to bring that fourth guy in there and you still have Latif blessing right Latif would be the third but uh you still have him available to help out and I feel like that overload especially when Holling and then Hollingshead is getting forward as well so and it really helps to control those little things in the midfield like you and I would have been asking for for so long one other thing about this midfield, and we've talked about it now for two weeks, is the profile of Kellen Acosta is better, right? And it's not just he's a lot of the broadcasters will talk about him as just a pressing midfielder who's going to give you like hard minutes, similar to Sifu or Blessing, but he is so much better passing the ball, passing in between lines, and not always looking for, uh, excuse the mixed sports metaphor, that, which I hate, but. He's not just looking for the home run ball, right? Not everything has to be through and behind. It can ju- He will just play a ball in between lines interior to the midfield, right? And that kind of patience really helps draw in defenders a little bit further so that then the killer pass can be played. And that happens several, several times today where he takes a pass that 
you know, as you're watching the play unfold, you might think, oh, he can swing it wide to the winger who's breaking. It's like he'll take the interior pass first, which ends up making the the winger even more open once the pass finally does arrive from the next player. But anyway. I mean, I think the key is is that that one word there, right? Is patience. Right. Yeah. From this from yeah. the team as a whole. Because I think there was a you know, and this is something we were really critical of during the Bob years, right? Was that at times, especially in the, in the Carson matches, it felt frantic, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, the transition, you know, the way that even the way from the way that they pressed, from the way that we attacked, there wasn't there wasn't a sense that you could let the game come to you and then play, and then play out, right? You right. always felt like it was. It's like, did it feel like the run came a little bit early? Did it felt you know something felt like it was just early? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and forced, can, forced and, because yeah. it's so early. Yeah. There you go. Right. And then you, and I think you see remnants of it at times in terms of, especially in the early, beginning of the, in the beginning of the games where you'll see, for example, like Palacios will start a little bit too high and then just go in, and fly up a little bit too soon. Um, and this was something we were pretty hard about, hard on him in the Galaxy game. But I felt like in this game, while again, there's a couple, there's some things we'll talk about a little bit later. But in terms of his positioning in buildup, the sequencing feels so much better because you see, um, you you know, you mentioned we're in a little bit more of a four five one than the R four three three. So you'll see at times where in in our buildups, you see Acosta dropping deeper deeper than normal to help pick up the ball alongside Ilya and somewhat of a double pivot, and then as they transition that ball out. Um, Palacios does one of two things, right? If based on what Acosta does, if Acosta dribbles forward, then you see Palacios drop back to now form that next passing angle. So Mahala can stay high. Or if he plays Mahala, then you see Palacios take up off, up, take off up the sideline to now find the outlet moving forward. Right, right. And so this is now in comparison to what we felt at times where no matter what the situations, the fullbacks were bombing forward at all, at all costs. Right. Yeah. And you just didn't get that. And so the only ball we had was that looping ball over the top, right. That to try and get put a ball on their feet. And now when you have a Carlos Vela, that will drop in or you had that Twesta or you had some of these guys, it, it was often successful, right? Those, we had guys who could put the ball at their feet. However, in absence of some of those guys, that's where you you really started to see those issues become more and more apparent, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. Um, you know, where there it's a little bit forced, like I said, and then now we're playing these long balls with a little bit too much regularity, um, and then just trying to counter press our way out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, it's so much good stuff to talk about <laughs> today, where uh, because. The team looks really competent. It reminds me of of the Colorado game, and it, again, it's hard to say because uh, SKC has been a mess. But I think after seven games, you have an idea of where it's going, of where it's shaping up to go. Certainly, seven games in last year, there were alarm bells going off for me and you, like, "Hey, hey, guys, something's something's not the same here this year." Um, and I, it seems like a lot of that has been sorted out this year, which is fantastic. I mean, we're uh, not parsing XG in 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 an attempt to explain the lack of points, right? Where now can, we're just can, like, oh yeah, we're sitting at the top of the we're sitting at the top of the West, yeah. and the conversation just ends there right. because we are just playing well, right? And it's it's exciting where we don't have to go 
into these machinations to try and 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 explain and justify, away, yeah, yeah, and justify the things that we see that everyone can yep. see with their own eyes. Yep. Um, side note on this: Is Dave Roberts really just Greg Berhalter? Oh, for sure. I mean, he is Hip. Dave Roberts. So, may, just made me a little bit luckier, right? And a, so, and a, and a bigger pay, and a bigger payroll to work with. Yeah, please forgive the detour here, but Clayton Kershaw is perfect through seven innings. Through seven innings, he's thrown eighty pitches. All he needs to do is record six more outs, and he's got a perfect game. There's only been twenty three perfect games in the history, <laughs> in like record in you know recorded baseball history and Kershaw is six outs away he's almost yeah. done right and and 80 pitches too right so that's where it gets crazy but here's the funny yeah. thing so in the history of baseball only two players who are who, are, yeah. who, who had perfect games through seven innings have been pulled yeah. out of the game at that moment both by the same manager both happened to be Dave Roberts and both yeah. with other ones Rich Hill right a few years ago yeah it's just mind boggling. And so his right. excuse is, oh yeah, well, re- you know, it's cold coming back from injury. So we want to make sure, you know, 80 pitches is it to me when that happened, all I could think was when Greg Burhalter said after the Canada loss, oh no, we were super dominant in that game. And RXG was way better <laughs> than Canada, even though they beat us too. No, it's like, we did everything we wanted in that game. It's like, no, no, no. You did exactly what Canada wanted you to do. Mm-hmm. Force attacks so that you could be countered, and like I know that's a it's it's again I'm, I'm mixing sports here, but um, man, sometimes stats are just the worst. They are useful. They are useful, but my goodness, Dave Roberts, what are you doing? The funny thing was, that, like, did it feel at times, you know, for as because I've you know I've listened to Bob on stats on the Stats Bomb podcast at one point and you hear some of the discussions that happened that would come within the club and it always felt like like bob had looked at stats with you know kind of like at, at an arm's length right didn't quite yeah. buy in buy into it yeah. now how how now stats became the thing where they were trying to explain away everything was happening last year i don't understand right because again or, or was it just this weird combination of Bob being too much of a, of a purist after, his, you know, after his experience at Swansea, um, that he that the you know that it would just conven- conveniently worked out that way that that was now the excuse to as to why yeah. things weren't going well. I don't know. I mean, LAFC does have you know like a robust uh, statistician like pool of statisticians on their on. Or at least one. I don't know. I mean, I don't Will exactly Coon, right? Works. Who's who's yeah. one of the, the top executives is a right. is a. In a I don't see. I want to say he's the analytics guy, but he's definitely come from that baseball side of things where it's been right. extremely important in terms of which how is, we go which about is fine. It. It's important to you. Like I, again, I'm not deriding all of statistics, but like you said, it's it's about the way statistics are often used to explain away poor performances or explain you know just whatever it is. Oh, they're they're such a good team, but just unlucky like that. That's meaningless to me. Anyway, we're, <laughs> we're way down. We're way off track here. Uh, I don't even remember how we got here. Um, I think we were just talking about, you know, all the things we just wanted to throw Dave Roberts on the bus. So, yeah, I mean, it's talking about 
relevancy in, in Los Angeles right now, and that's it. But uh, anyway, so I think any way you look at this game, it would pass both these t- these statistics and the eye test today of a team that was able to create chances, that was able to capitalize on chances, and that was able to prevent uh, SKC from really doing anything. Uh, they get an own goal. I think they only had two shots on goal at the once all was said and done. Um, so, I mean, really kept them, uh, kept themselves out of danger. And it was very clear to see on the field why that was happening. It wasn't just lump the ball forward and pray for a chance to, to materialize. So, uh, yeah, really promising. Anything else you want to hit here, Josh? I mean, I think it has to be stated how, how good the second half adjustments have been. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Like yeah. it is incredible because, you know, again, like how many times did we go into a half over the last couple of years and you're just like scratching your head, like what, what are we doing? And again, nothing, nothing would change, right? And yeah. you know, even in the, the last game, we're like we're calling for the same changes because we see, um, like the, it felt like the writing was on the wall, you know, in terms of like how the game was going and some of these different things, and you see it. You you see Chernobyl start to make some 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 tweaks. Yeah. Right? Again, I know that word is a bit um, persona non grata in LAFC yeah. circles. That word is summer. forever ruined. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, these tweaks have been pretty damn good. <laughs> you know, I mean, in in the grand <laughs> scheme of things. So, um, yeah. But I think when you when you kind of just take a step back and look at it, it's like how how they've been able to kind of figure out some of these things that has just been incredible to me. Cause like I said, I just don't, didn't expect it to be, to go the way that it has, um, you know, again, from a new coach. Right. And I don't know if it's just what, you know, is there, you know, is it just him being more flexible in terms of his approach? Is it uh, a matter of just like the, the personnel that we have is just better than it was in the past to make those up? Those adjustments, like I don't know, where do you, what do you think has been the biggest change from previous years to, to now in terms of our ability to now change games? Um, I do think depth has a lot to do with it, and I think part of it is when we look at last year, we don't always remember what was going on. Where when we were we, like you and I would complain a lot about the roster build because it was like everybody was out, right? So there were games where. Uh, Brian Rodriguez and Danny Musovsky and Carlos Vela. Carlos wasn't even available, so I mean, I can't even remember who was t- who else was starting at, at at the at the winger spot. I don't even rem- remember at this point. I mean, we brought in Chicho, right? But then you have Danny Musovsky on a wing, and it was just like cobbled together. And then in the midfield too, if not everybody was available, then you were you were hurting. And like we've talked about already, if you have a midfield of Atuesta, Blessing, and uh, and Sifu, those guys are really redundant, right? And who else did you have last year after you traded away Mark Anthony K? Like, you could bring in Janela, and that wasn't, we all know that wasn't ever going to happen. Uh, Bryce Duke would get minutes, and we'd all be happy about it because it was like finally something different in the midfield. But it was clear that he wasn't totally ready either. So I, I do think it has a lot to do with depth where – Today, you 
are pulling off a poku, something that I was like, ah, I don't. He seems like he's having plenty of plenty of uh, free, like plenty of success. Leave him on there a bit longer, but then Izzy comes on and hits the banger. So you can't argue with that, right? And then Musovski comes on for Chicho, which is a move that I don't like so much. But I mean, I think at that point it's just about saving people's legs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to me, to me, it's the depth and. Blessing comes off after having a good shift, and now Sifu looks like he's comfortable. Game's already kind of underway, and he's able to just fit in without having to uh, acclimate all that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's a huge part of it, right? I think you know the. I again, I just it's just impressive to me to see yeah. that those moves made because, like I said, I think I I just never thought I would see it. Right, and I do think that there's a bit. The tactical changes come way quicker, right? Like, not that they abandoned their initial game plan, but I think there's just more of a willingness to to make little changes in terms of, you know, like a, you'll see what you know they kind of feel out the first thirty minutes in terms of what the other, what what the other the opponent's been giving them, and then you'll see just a shift in terms of like, okay, you'll see this guy float a little bit higher, you'll see this guy push a little bit deeper. Again, it. it instead of it having to be a specific way in terms of yeah. how we build them, right? You'll see a, them go to a double pivot more often if depending on what the other team is doing. You know, and again I think today was more to draw to draw Kansas City out of their shell a little bit more, right? Especially after they go yeah. up early. You know, so you bring you bring a cost in and that pulls one of the midfielders up. Now that now the sequence just starts and you now have opportunities to run at Graham Zuzi in space. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, that's always going to bode well for us. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, you, like you said, you can see the shift at the beginning of the game. They SKC started man marking, like complete man marking on, on goal kicks. So you see them line up with a forward over each center back right on the 18. And they kind of shift away from that. And, you know, within 20 minutes, LAFC has been able to play through their press by bringing the wingers back further. And now SKC kind of abandons that press, right? So that's one of the, that's an example of shifting your tactics a little bit to match what's going on and to beat what's going on rather than just saying, well, we're going to, we're going to play our football. We're going to play our football and our football is going to be better, right? Which is a bit arrogant. Well, and the thing is that even when you go to the best of the best, right, in terms of who, who makes so you know like the best tactical mind we look at in the sport is probably Pep Guardiola, right? At least that's yeah. Right? Look at his interview from two weeks ago. Yeah, or just look <laughs> at this last in the FA Cup in the FA Cup game to this yeah, last weekend, yeah. right? Like it was truly a chess match of the pressing game, right? right. You would see right. you would see Pep shift in a little bit tighter to to play a little bit more man marking, and then Liverpool would drop in an extra, you know, drop in an extra. Um, and a midfielder, and then Fernandinho would drop him. You know, again, they Manchester got caught having to play Fernandinho. Right, that was that was yeah, where they eventually yeah. broke. Um, and then Stefan, <laughs> I don't even know what you want to call that 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 extra touch there. So for a guy that's supposed to be good with his feet, shut down, man. He just shut yeah. down. So, but that, you know, that here's the thing about that though. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. And like Pep's a guy who knows that, right? He knows that. Uh, anyway. I mean, Ederson's done some pretty boneheaded things too in, in the in 
with the ball at his feet as well. So again, he yeah, it's, it's just first. it's it's one thing to do that against, I don't know, Burnley, Norwich, right? It's a different thing to play that way, to play so casual out of the back against Liverpool mm-hmm. and Jurgen, especially when when it's Klopp running Liverpool, right? So anyway, yeah, and so again, I think when you look at what we've been doing, like I said that willingness to adjust, I think, is something that's just been refreshing because. Again, I, I, f- and maybe it was just because we ha- we saw the body of Bob's work over over the years. It was like once they kind of they it felt like after at the end of season one, when everyone bought into they had everyone bought into the style in which they were going to play. Then you head into season two where you're destroying everyone, and then the rest of the league catches up. There wasn't the next chess move available yeah. to him. Right, and yep. that's where I think it became problematic. You yeah. know, again, maybe some of it was the pandemic, maybe some of it was the roster build, but again, I just didn't see that willingness to kind of, you know, to make those adjustments based on what he had either. How dare you disparage their XG differential last yeah. year? I mean, Josh. you know, because dare you? Yeah, right. <laughs> but like for you know, one of the things we had talked about where it was like Hollings head, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Even though he's he's up, you know. A uh, right-footed right back who can't overlap or whatever you know, who are just not comfortable yeah, yeah. overlap. I would say he can't. Yeah. Just wasn't. Just hasn't been as comfortable overlapping because he just hasn't had to do it right. And I think the the running theory is that he was a left wing who got shifted back to left back because he could. He was two footed. I would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, right? that's that happens with a lot of uh, wingers anyway. They, you know, they're when they're fifteen, they're all wingers right and then by the time they're 18 19 it's like oh this kid's actually a fullback now but yeah and so but you know under normal circumstances we would have seen him you know under bobby would have seen him bombing up bombing up the sideline at all costs regardless of what it seemed like the regardless of what the situation was whereas now right you see him pinching it a little bit more being a little bit more hesitant understanding the situation right and you see him just being able to cut out things defensively that i'd that I felt like we would have given up at times in the past. Yeah. You know what, Josh? I don't know. I know Vince said he was right footed. And so I, I assume he's getting that straight from Hollings head, but transfer marked has him as left footed. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't resist looking that up. Yeah. So maybe, maybe we'll have to reach out to another <laughs> someone, someone's um, somebody tweeted know, Ryan with- Holl- at, at Hollings head and find out what foot he prefers. Because yeah, maybe I that, should do that. <laughs> yeah, because it'll be really interesting. Because like I said, I think so. Have we, I want to know if we've just actually just been way too hard on a guy, you know, or or it's just a matter of just fit. And I think that's probably the biggest thing yeah. for a guy that can that can likely use both feet pretty competently. I think it's more a matter of um, what's it called? Of just the that positioning sense on that other side. Because I right. will say that no, that's when, exactly it. That's right. exactly in it. in the in the game where he had the brace, right? He's cutting into his right foot and putting away bangers. Yeah, that's true. Right from the left, that's and true. again, we, maybe we just didn't think about it because of it was just, you know, he was playing so well. But you know, it it's just one of those things where, like I said, I think, um, you know, we assume that the guy who has been featured at left back for so long and played so well there had to have been left footed. Josh, I'm about to do something that I really hate about MLS commentary. Uh, so forgive me. 
but the U.S. does not have a backup left back. Like it, it is just non-existent. Jedi Robinson has the the starting spot on lock, no questions asked. But behind him is just kind of this hodgepodge of random players. And George Bellow isn't ready. And Daniel Lovitz was not good enough. Um, and I mean, who else? <laughs> there's, there's really nobody else. Serginio Dest is, you know, capable of playing there. Joe Scali is capable of playing there. Uh, should Greg give him a look? in the friendlies he's never been capped as far as i understand for the u.s i don't know why not right at this point you're just trying to find you're just trying to find something there and, and right. again he's a guy that's played very well for a very long time um you know i don't know i mean right but- i mean league commentators frequently refer to him as the undeniable best left back in the league for years back now so I mean, I don't know if I'm supposed to go along. I, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is there. But I do know that, oh, that's that's what is said about him. Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, I mean, he's better than, like, he does, he can at minimum do what Tim Ream does, but better and more athletically. Yeah, yeah. Right, in terms of just kind of, if, if you want him to just pinch in and play a little bit more defensively. Right. Like, he could do that. Yeah, but, I, man, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, to me, it's at least worth a look because I, I don't know who else plays left back at this moment. If it's not, if it's not Joe Scally, and it seems like Greg just really doesn't rate him, then you got to call on somebody. Yeah. So who knows? Again, I, I've given him trying to understand the thought process that goes through, through the whole the whole organization. Um, yeah, one thing anyway. I did want to ask, what did you think of um, Janela's um, performance in this game? I thought, I thought he was fine. <laughs> I mean, nothing, nothing to write home about necessarily, but competent. I don't know. What about you? So, I think it's in, in the in the particular way that they lined up here, right? Where it's a where you had almost a more of a double pivot. I think he looked far better than ha- trying to play in, in the, like an advanced eight. Yeah, well, especially uh, the one thing I will say about that is again, you if you he has more cover from the wingers because they're playing further back in this one, so it's not just an exposed midfield with high wingers, right? There's he's got a little bit more cover there. So maybe, maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. And like, but you, I mean, and then that's where you can kind of see the things that he does really well come out a little bit more. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, like in Ilya was the one that I think was the one that kind of was like showing some light on in terms of like, when they asked him like, who's the guy that you think yeah. you know, has a lot of potential, right. It was like, it was Janela. Right. And, and maybe he sees a little bit of himself in, in the way that they play where, you know, again, maybe they're not going to be he'll Neither of them are ball winners. Right. And neither of them are all in Golacante or even right. a Latif blessing for that matter. But, you know, learning how to play position, you know, a, you know, positional defense, cut passing lanes, you know, play smart, do those different things and then be really clean in possession. Um, yeah. You know, again, if you can get, if you can get Janela to now step into that role um, as, 
you know, and be and basically be that successor to Ilya. Are any you know are we going to be pretty mad about that? If he if he learns to no. play in that same manner, I think. I mean, if you if you can fix his contract, which if he wants to st- if he wants to keep playing, he's going to have to fix that contract unless he wants to go back to Uruguay. Like he's he's not getting a move anywhere. So if he can if he takes a smaller contract and they say, hey, Ilya's got two maybe three years left, and and you're the guy, then sure, I think that it ends up kind of like being this unintentional long-term player that you have in Janilla. Yeah. Because I mean, I think there's enough skills there with time to develop. I and again, I think we, we should be cautious about, you know, killing a kid that's, you know, what, 21. I think he might be 22 now. Right. Cause I mean, he, I know he's still part of the, are you 22 initiative? Yeah. He's one yeah. of the three guys, right? Tim Chiki and, and Sifu. Um, so yeah, and so, but you know, when you look at look at what like someone like Haji Wright is doing, right? Like, or, right. or Luca Della Torre, right? It, sometimes it just takes some of these guys a little bit longer to find their feet professionally, and especially in another country, right? Like, yeah. yeah, you know, go and go and try somewhere where you are, you know, and leave your family and those things at a young age and trying to figure out your life. I mean, right. learn to be a professional and learn those things. And, you know, again, maybe he hasn't been that for some, but a lot of times we just don't have the patience. And a lot of times the, the money doesn't have patience in that matter. Right. So, right. but I I definitely think there's an opportunity there. Again, I think you're right. If, if, if the contract situation is correct, where I think he can eventually find, find his feet as, like I said, that successor at the six. Um, again, in terms of being like a deep lying orchestrator, and again, I think he's got to learn a little more in terms of his defensive presence. But he has the profile to do it, I think, and and do it well for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of contracts, Josh, one more thing: Taylor Twelman during the broadcast made it sound like the contract talks between LAFC and Vela were more positive than maybe you or or I suspected. Uh, also made it seem like there's a potential for a TAM contract or non-DP contract in the future. I would have to imagine that's kind of like a, hey, DP for this year, contract's front-loaded and you know somehow we're going to buy you down next year type of thing. Uh, man, that would be quite the coup if LAFC could somehow convince him to stay and also to take tam money in the future so that i i assume the pitch is hey we all know you're getting older we want you here we want you to retire here this is your club you're the club's first player we never want you to leave um let us continue to build around you so that you don't have to do all the heavy lifting yourself that would be pretty incredible yeah i mean like would we would we would anyone be mad if you became lafc's diego valeri no no, that's a, that's a good right. I think yeah. that is like the best case scenario yeah. for a guy, you know, again, who who has become beloved in terms of you know, generally how how most people view him, how you know how well, how we want to view him, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously he's been hurt at times, and you know, and that happens. It's part of the game. But I think you know, again, a, a situation in which I want to say it's it it's it would be something along the line of a a, a front low a year and a half right so you finish this year plus next year at a pretty high 
at a pretty high amount with a player option for a TAM beyond that or something. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Right, so you keep him, and, you know, you get, he gets the length of contract pl- probably plus the amount of money that he wants over the course of maybe three to four years, right, yep. in total. Yep. Right, so you make him the, you basically going to make him the highest paid player over the next year, uh, the next year. And right. then, which, you know, but then it, it's technically, you know, maybe eight million spread out over four. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how LA, how MLS works with that stuff, to be honest. I don't I don't know. Like in the NFL, you can do all kinds of crazy stuff, right? To avoid the salary cap. I don't know how it all works in I mean, MLS. The, the Major League Soccer is a brainchild of MLS people. I mean, of NFL people. Yeah, right? like, I mean, I Don Garber is a, is yeah. a is an NFL Europe guy, I think I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So if there's I'm sure those machinations aren't too different. The only problem is it's really not. I mean, Garber has, you know, ultimate. He's ultimately the guy in the in the seat, but it's really the other owners, right? So it's, I I don't know I don't know how stringent those rules are on if you confront. I mean, we all know that they break the rules. There was a good podcast from, uh, it was allocation disorder, probably five or six weeks ago now, maybe a couple of months about how every team breaks the rules and the GMs all know how each of them is breaking the rules, but nobody says anything uh, unless it's Miami and they're like way, just way out in left field with it all. Man, you just can't be annoying with it. Right. It's, 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 it's kind of the whole thing, right? It's like everyone does it. The question is how, how obnoxious are you going to be about how you go about it? How, how obvious are the Herbalife contracts that we're giving to these players or, Blaze Matuidi is not a not a DP. Yeah. But we're signing it from Juventus anyway. So anyway. Um ultimately I I would prefer that they keep him. I don't need them. I don't need it to be a TAM deal for it to make sense to me. You can sign him as a DP for the next year and a half, like you said, and I'd be perfectly happy. Um I'm I am looking forward to signing a new DP. Uh if you have any ideas, go back and find my Twitter thread on on ideas, lots of lots of good uh, ideas in that one from LAFC fans. So we will see. Uh, Josh, anything else before we get to questions here? No, let's do it. Justin, thirty-three W, top of the table. Vele getting hacked to bits. Golasos, Chicho being a fox. Everything is back to normal. Yeah, Josh, all is well. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm really excited about being top of the table. I know it's a long season, but man, they need to get it back to CCL. So it's only there's only really four ways to get there, <laughs> and that's that's probably the most consistent one, right? And the one that is going to undoubtedly get you there and be a good indicator for success. Um, Lionel Hudson from Cheap Seat. Notice today that LAFC players just blindly cross the ball into the box. How does that get fixed? Should they be aiming for a player, aiming for a spot, driving closer to the end line to cut the ball back? This is really just a principle thing. Um, and you can you can you can adjust based on your opponent who might have short fullbacks or short center backs or whatever, and you can say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna try and send more service to the back post or the front post or you know depending on the forward that you have, uh, 
a lot of times it's not necessarily I'm going to pick out a player's head. You're going to take a peek and see what's back there and then play a pass. I mean, it's all happening pretty quick, but um, a lot of it's rehearsed in, in the types of runs that people make uh, so that you can kind of have an expectation of where guys are going to be. Uh, for me, the cutback is the best is the best way to finish, and Opoku kind of blew two big chances on on cutbacks that should have been fairly easy goals, and instead drilled them right at the keeper. But yeah, I mean, I think some of it's just going to be continued drilling between you know because there's a couple of times I was pointing out to you before the podcast where you'll see you know cheeky firing across kind of into no one, but a lot of it is because Opoku gets too close to him, right? Like there, yeah, there's still a yeah. little bit of a, of a miscommunication, if you will, or just kind of like, you know, the, the, the rehearsed movements aren't quite what you would expect them to be. Now, right. I will say in the, in the buildup play, the, those movements are a lot better. Now it's more, as you get closer to the end line, there's a couple of times where, you know, if Cheeky makes that overlapping run, Opoku's supposed to, I think, supposed to probably cut inside a little bit more or whatever. And yeah. again, because he's kind of been moved all over the front, all over the front three, you know, you're, you are going to get a little bit of that, you know, like I said, sometimes just feeling a little bit more compressed. So in, in those moments, you probably need to see him, you know, probably play with his back to goal and try to, you know, be available to receive a pass from Cheeky. But then because of the way that he makes the run, they're kind of like running parallel to each other. So, Cheeky really has no option but to fire it in, and he's getting closed down from the other side. So instead of, you know, he's he's trying, he's not trying to give it the ball. So he just is hoping that Arango makes the run and kind of gets the on on the end other end of it. So I think yeah. I think a lot of it is just going to be a matter of continued time for those players to kind of gel and just understand where each other are. Because again, the criticisms that we had of him last week in terms of positioning, this week consistently were much better right what he he had a little bit of a rough first half but i think in terms of his positioning um overall was much better than he was previously which again has led to you know probably a little bit better um, return in terms of again when his movements and how that affects things yeah two quick things on that too uh what concerns me the most is is crosses cut out by the first defender, like the guy defending you, which means you haven't made enough space to play that cross, um, which happens to Cheeky a lot. Uh, the other thing is, sometimes I think sometimes it's a misnomer that like I'm going to put this ball right on somebody's head, like I said. Uh, think about it like American football, where as soon as your receiver is beyond the defensive back, you can throw that route. And it doesn't mean that you're doing some sort of advanced trigonometry in your brain to like figure out exactly if maybe trigonometry is not even the right math. I don't know. Um, where you're trying to figure out, okay, I need to launch this ball at this angle to make sure that it's parabolic flight lands exactly where this receiver is going to be at that time. You throw the ball up and then the receiver is running to where that ball is going just as much as you're planning on where that ball is going, right? It, the, the important thing is that you beat your man. So with a cross, it's, is there space for me to play this in behind the back line and in front of the keeper? Then good, I'm going to do it. And it's the striker's job then to break free and to hold himself on, on side, <clears throat> Danny Musovsky in this game, um, to make sure that that play comes off. And it, 
it ends up looking like, oh man, they planned this thing to the inch, but really it's just like, like we said, it's rehearsed movements. So I'm going to play this ball to the back post and a striker is going to be there. So anyway. All right. At Yo-Yo Torre 66, why isn't Trendle playing Escobar? Why is Diego Palacios a hit or, mit, uh, hit or miss player when playing? Dude looks talented, but sometimes he makes plays that say no. LOL. Josh. Um, again, so I'm going to put my PT hat on here. Um, so from everything we've heard about Escobar coming off the calf injury was available last week. Um, typical time frame for a grade one strain, which is from all intents and purposes based on, on when they've made him available is what he had um, is about anywhere between two and three weeks. And so he with the return to play protocol, they're generally, you know, they're allowing him to likely push it in training and those different things. And should the opportunity, right. You know, come, they'll probably play him more, but I think, in these particular situations, like going down a goal early probably changes your calculus a little bit. Same thing in the Galaxy game. I think they probably want to just wait, wanted to wait a little bit longer and probably not bring him back in such a big game um, to try and to, to work him back into the fray. Um, so there's a little bit of that as well. So uh, I, I would say that you'll probably see him play on Wednesday a fair amount in the open yeah. cup game yeah. um, because again, like I said, it's low risk. You can get it. You can, he can get in there and get some run um, basically just, and it's more of likely going to be a fit, uh, a fitness test for him. It's not uh, trying to run you, down Daniel shallowy either in this. Yeah. Game. Like somebody like a much lesser athlete. Mm-hmm. And again, likely. and yeah. if you look at the way that SKC was playing, right? Like most of their attack was trying to play a long ball over, over the top of Hollings head. Yeah. Right where you see Hollings having to make those recoveries, and so again, it, you, you probably don't want to have to put Escobar, who's coming off an injury, in that situation. Um, and so again, I think the the given the current the current schedule, the best thing would to be basically to play him sixty, um, in between forty five and sixty on Wednesday, and then have him available to play thirty on over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Diego Palacios being a hit or miss player. I think he's just plateaued. I think, you know, we saw a lot of promise and I remember, uh, profiling him when he first came in doing a film profile and noticing that there were a lot of great one V one defending moments, decent in the attack, good crosses. Uh, and I, I don't know that his game has really progressed all that much from the beginning. Uh, he's had some really good matches with LAFC played well in, uh, in Champions League last year or the year before, when when did they play that? It was last year, I guess. Uh, but played really well, um, and you know, it's just kind of like plateaued. And at this point, I'm just not, I'm not sure what you're getting from him. For me, as soon as Escobar comes back, you you want to move Hollings head back over, um, assuming that he'll play as well as he has on the right because left back is his actual position. Um, and the other the other part of that would be for LAFC to have a backup right back, uh, even if it is just Mario or Segura who goes in and fills in next time Escobar's hurt. But yeah, anyway. Next one, Monster Twins at Katie's Monster. I can't believe Vela played all 91 minutes today. Where are you all at with his performance? 
other than the goal from Sifu, did he really do great things? Sifu had an open goal prior, and he lacked the confidence to shoot. Stoked that he scored, though. Josh? Yeah, so I think with Vela, right, it's it's actually encouraging him to see him play that amount because um, I think the from what I understand, he he's basically given the given the freedom to to decide his his own minutes. Obviously, after you know, if the training staff doesn't have to get involved, the coaching staff is not managing you know how much he's coming on or so on and so forth. He's gonna he's basically going based on what he feels. And given the way that he played and some of these different things, I, I, it is encouraging, right? Because he doesn't look like a guy that's disengaged. He's not a guy that's trying to sub himself off because he's over it. Um, you know, are there frustrating moments throughout the game? You know, sure. Is he going to get frustrated if, you know, one of the midfielders plays a ball that does or doesn't play a ball, does play it poorly or doesn't play a ball that they should? Um, he, gave, sure. he gave Cheeky a lot of stick today, like two or three different occasions. He was, he was yelling back at Cheeky. Yeah, you know, but again, but you want to see, you do want to see that from your captain, right? Yeah. You want to see yeah. him orchestrate things. You want to see him put together. I think it helps to have a guy like Ilya out there alongside of him because I think, right. I I definitely think that they can, there's probably a little bit more good cop, bad cop there. Like just mm. the, the, the personality in which you see in the interviews, right? Like listening to him with Max and Vince, you, you, just, you just get the sense of him being that guy in the locker room, much yeah, like Betashore yeah. was in the locker room. And so I think it'll go a long way to kind of make sure that everything stays connected again. But I, I, I think it is encouraging that like you don't, you don't, you do see Vela playing hard game in, game out and putting in the, putting in the shift. I also hope that I don't think that Trundle ask to, to press 90 minutes a game, right? It's more, yeah, it's yeah. more situational. It's more, you know, in this particular moment, this is when you're going to trigger it, right? I think, like I said, they're, they're getting away from that. This, like I said, this idealistic Gagan press, you know, rock star approach. And it's more, again, under more, again, pragmatic is probably, you know, has been the th- has been the word of the season thus far, um, but it, again, but it, I think it allows him to save his legs, right, for yeah. the stretch run. So again, if if should he stay healthy, I think you'll start to see him really turn it on as we head into the you know into the second half of the season. Yeah, I think he understands as well as if you know again contract situation, notwithstanding, I think he's been in Major League Soccer enough at this point long enough now to understand that okay this is the time at which I need to really push myself so you see him doing more orchestration you see him more dropping in you know again you know he's it's not like he's not getting beat up right people are still targeting him and those different things so he's not escaping any of those but I think the big thing you see from him is like I said a little bit more patience and I think with with good reason again given given the length of the season let 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 these young guys you know um you know get you there and then and then when those moments come that's when you can be you know you allow carlos vela to be carlos vela yeah uh second part regarding sifu um i thought he looked good i thought he looked more comfortable coming into a game that was already a bit broken in and didn't have to do everything himself uh i think by the time he comes on i think it was still a draw because i think he came on at the same time as izzy uh but you know then they're they're leading soon after he does he does uh, decide not to take that shot. And it's a shot that we've seen him try tons of times in his airmail. That so, 
Uh, I don't know if, if somebody's given him a red light. I, I highly doubt that, but uh, he thought better of it because, I mean, how many times have we seen him try and rip a shot from outside the box and it's just nowhere close? And he's, I don't, I don't think he's ever scored a goal like that for LAFC. So uh, I thought, I thought he looked more comfortable off the bench today. Tom Camilleri at Bronco Fan 07. Pros, team rebounded well. They beat a team they're supposed to beat. Cons, Palacio still can't lift across more than three feet in the air. Kind of talked about that. There's too much early passing when guys have acres of space to push the ball. Holling said at left back and Escobar at right back would be ideal, question mark. Josh, anything on that one? I mean, I'm in agreement with just about all that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah again, I think we're... We, once the team kind of settles in, they're much better at taking up that space and being more patient in the buildup. And you see yeah. that in the, you know, said that that's the whole reason why we blow this one wide open um, is again, they they just now kind of settle in and, and again, are more willing to now take up the space before firing those passes in and cheeky's crosses. We alluded to that earlier, um, you know, but I think you know, those things will get fixed. Like the one that he, the one that he put on, on fall for the with the hockey assist there, you know, is yep. was a was a great cross. A couple of the other ones where he kind of, you know, kind of just does it because again, like whether it's getting too close to a poku where he's kind of left without other options, you know, I think even that some of the decision making in those moments will come in time because again, it I think it's, the issue is less less the service, more the timing. Yep. Yep. Uh, Samber Amarath, solid win, good reaction, still much work remains to be done. So similar to Tom here, I like the idea of it being a good reaction or a rebound from last week, uh, where you come back, you come right back out and get back on the horse and, and fix it. So love it. Uh, at Yo-Yo Torre 66 is back. In my opinion, Escobar is better than Palacios. I think that's pretty fair right now. Um, again, we haven't seen a whole lot of Escobar, but I, I, I do think it's, going to be a much better fit to have him at right back in Hollingshead at home. Anything on that one? No, I think you're right. All right. Lionel Hutz is back as well. Uh, struck me seeing them together in the field, uh, that Ilya is the perfect mentor for Janela, not athletically gifted, but always in the right position and makes quick decisions in possession. Feel like Pancho could develop a similar game. We kind of talked about this already, yeah. but how they have like a similar thing and how the four, one, four, one probably helps, protect them a little bit by having less exposure out on the wing. So less stuff to do defensively in that, yeah. in that formation. And the contract stuff is, I think the mo- the, the only thing, because again, you don't want for a guy that's not going to see the field regularly, or at least for the, at least for this year, you don't want to be, you don't want to be hamstrung. You don't want to hamstring your U22 initiative where you can do a lot more with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right, Jeff Talk at Jeff Talk. I don't know that we've ever got anything from Jeff before. Thank you for tweeting in. It's a good question, too. Who should we get to replace Palacios? Josh? I mean, he's on the right side of the field at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. I think, like I said, I think you put you put Hollings in there. Um, but, again, but I, I will say, Cheeky played, you know, said the second half was much better than the first. Uh, I think he's he's growing into it. I think he's there's a better understanding. Again, the service has, has a little bit you know, has, has some work to do, but I think you get a different, you also get a different feel from Hoggins when he comes in the game because he's going to be, a, you know, rather than being that guy that puts up the sideline, really, he's going to be just a little bit better and build up. And so yeah. I think the, the, the ceiling is definitely higher for Cheeky. Um, but at the same time, like if you, if you need 
to find a game where you need to be in complete control, having Collins head there on that left hand side, you know, is, is it, it's hard to go wrong. Yeah. I mean, it, for me, it's hard to judge Cheeky's ceiling at this point, like, cause I haven't seen any real progression. So it's like, I, this might be it. This might be about what we get from him. And I mean, it, it's good. It's competent. Uh, but I do agree that their replacement for Palacios is Hollingshead. Uh, and it's moving, it moves Palacios to the bench. So in all reality, who do you get to replace Palacios? You get a backup right back. Um, who that is, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't. Uh, I don't know. It's tough to, it's tough to come up with a name to play that position. I would imagine there's maybe even Duenas. I think, I think Duenas can play or Tony Leone can play right back as well. So maybe that's kind of in the cards in the future as well as to bring one of those guys up. So I feel like we should shout out another uh, Las Vegas lights player. Daniel Trejo has been lighting it up in USL was just named USL player of the month. Did you, are you following that at all, Josh? Yeah. He's scoring at will at this point. So I think five or six goals this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks good cutting in from the wing. I think they're playing a little bit more of like a, Two striker system, right, with him and Jennings up top at times. Possibly, I haven't I haven't watched enough to to really know. But anyway, might be something there. So, anything else, Josh? Before we get out of here, no, I think that's it. Like I said, great game, great win. Um, yeah, it's always it's always fun to talk about these ones because we can look yeah. to some of the things we're doing great. Lots of stuff. Yeah, lots of stuff to just point out. They're like, oh, this guy did this, and this guy did this, and this guy, yeah. and this was awesome too. Uh, much no. better to do this. And the conversation's a little bit more fun because we now the conversation basically is like, okay, what embarrassment of riches are we able to now move forward with in terms of being able to add this third DP? Yeah. right. How like, much is it going to cost us to get Ross Barkley? Whose yeah. transfer value has gone down significantly, by the way. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, think he's I, down at like $13 million right now. You know, and so it's all it's all the stars are aligning, Josh. Man, if if that happens, <laughs> the only way the only way this I can stomach it is if everything gets relegated. So you know, we're we'll we're yeah. I so I tweeted at Josh and asked him, LAFC signs Ross Barkley, but Everton gets relegated. Are you in? Um, yeah. The funny if thing they is, sign Ross Barkley. Like, I'm changing the name of this show. Yeah. By the way, the funny thing is, I feel like most most Liverpool fans just because of the. Especially if you're from Liverpool, probably don't agree with me, right? And I actually, yeah. don't, you know, and, yet, and I think the more it's it's a little bit more friendly of a rivalry than you know, at least from the Liverpool United perspective, or, because you've yeah. won so much. I think the Everton probably looks at it a little bit differently because they saw they they basically their glory years were hamstrung by what had happened. Um, with like some of the the by the um, was it the Premier League the English teams getting banned from from uh, Champions League for a while yeah so um, yeah so obviously it's a little bit different conversation for a different day but um, that's probably a little bit yeah the, my view on it probably is a little bit different than what you would probably get from someone yeah. that's actually yeah. from the city itself right all right well we will be back on Wednesday hopefully to recap the. U.S. Open Cup match, uh, again, one of the other ways into uh, CCL and ways to win hardware. So I'm excited for that for that competition. I think it's a great competition. Excited for LAFC to be in it. And we will talk to you all next time. Good night.